All right, it's DT Systems, dog tested and dog tough. You know, we like that dog in them, baby. We've been using the H2O1820. Over the last several months, we've been playing with this unit. Our friends at Standing Stone Kennels, Ethan and Kat, they've been using it for years, and we've been playing with it. We really like it. I think for the dog trainer, the hunter, and the guy or gal who's training their dog to get ready for duck season, we'll really enjoy the 1820. Super reliable, super consistent, great unit for you and your dogs. H2O1820. Dog tested. Dog. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me. I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack. Easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore, so keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate, slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Force Fetch, what is it? It's super intimidating to so many people, yet it's not that difficult. I built a step-by-step process that helps you understand it. You and your dog can be successful in it and it takes the intimidation away of the process so that you and your dog can get to your goals. That's what it's built for. Let me teach you how I do it so that you and your dog can do it. Different breeds, different personalities, problem solving, and more. Check it out. Links in the description. The Force Fetch Course. Baby. What's going on, you scoundrels? This is episode 44 of Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles, baby. All right, before we get into the episode, if you missed episode 43, intro to Force Fetch, stop this one, go to the one before it, and tune in, or else you're going to wonder why we've skipped a whole section. Well, we didn't, you son of a gun. You skipped a whole section in episode 43. So, do me a solid. Go back now and tune in. Now, listen, everybody. If you did tune in, we're about to get into the show. But first, big old thank you to you know who? You can Nuba, baby. They are our food sponsor for the kennel. We feed the puppies to the puppies. Old Quinn is now four months old and been Ooh. eating uke. And looking good. Her coat is unbelievable. She's pleasantly plump. Happy, healthy, good stools. I'm really pleased with her progress. The dogs in the kennel are on their 30-20 blend. I'm really pleased with that. Things are good at Yukonuba poop section. (laughs) What goes in must come out, if you know what I'm saying. And it's looking good. So if you've thought about switching foods if you thought you want to try something different for your dog and those dogs listen guys they work hard for us we might as well give them the best too so we feed you if you're interested you should too give it a try you'll be pleased gunner kennels now interesting fact kevin went deer hunting this weekend and forgot his what is it called i forget 
it's a safety harness, a, but I yeah. used to know what it was. Remember that thing I did that one time? I did like an audition for a. Oh. I can't really talk about details, but I auditioned for a hunter's safety course host back in the day, and it was um, full body fall arrest harness system. This is why you didn't get the job. I know. I sc- oh, God, I didn't get the job. Full body fall arrest harness system, FBFAHS, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I had to say that thing like 10 times fast, full body fall arrest harness system, full body fall arrest harness system. And uh, anyways, Kevin went deer hunting and forgot his. So Gunner Kennels, saving my dog, saving me. I love it. He ratchet strapped himself to the tree with his Gunner Kennel (laughs) ratchet strap. Listen, I was safe as can be. That's redneck ingenuity if I've ever heard of it, Kev. I appreciate Gunner Kennels very much. Saving the day. Now, if you follow them on Instagram, they did have a recent post about a gentleman whose dog, he got in a car accident, drunk driver hit his truck, dog kennel was not strapped down. So a side note, strap that sucker down. You know, you buy the best for your dog and you don't strap him down. I mean, come on, bro. But anyways... The dog got flung 40 yards from the truck where the truck ended up landing. So The dog knows? in the kennel. Yeah, the dog in the kennel in the back of the truck was not strapped down. Truck gets hit. Wherever that truck landed, the dog was 40 further yards away, and the dog survived pretty much unscathed. I mean, if that doesn't tell you the quality of the product, I don't know what does, but I can also tell you if he had strapped it down, it would have been even The dog safer. would have come out tail wagging and... Totally fine. So, guys, we're big, big promoters of, you know, the unspoken bond. These dogs mean the world to us. We invest a lot of time, energy, and emotion and money into them. What's a few extra hundred dollars to buy the best kennel so when you're rolling down the road and things happen that you're not expecting a drunk driver, skim ice, um, hydroplane, anything can happen. You might be cruising and doing great, and you don't know. Deer comes out, and you have to swerve. Your dog is going to be safe. So please, 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 this isn't me trying to sell you, Gunner. This is me explaining crap happens, and if you are not prepared, your dog may may not make it. So come on, get yourself a Gunner. What are you waiting for? And lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective, the host and analytics of our podcast helps us keep connected to you. So if you want, check them out, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Thank you all. All right. So now that you've listened to episode 43, Force Fetch Part 1, Part Uno, we're going to do Force Fetch Part De. Do? Do? A deer? A female deer. A female deer. Part De. Part D, we're going to go into walking fetch with ear pinch, which then is going to go into walking fetch e-collar to walking fetch like a ladder where I send them from my side into pile work, the intro to pile work. But what I want to quickly recap before you hit this step that I'm about to explain which will be ear pinch walking fetch, is that your dog is either off of the force fetch table or is in 
the corner, like we discussed in last episode, and they are fully reaching for the bumper and fully picking or the um, paint roller, excuse me. They're reaching for that paint roller up, down, side to side. You've got them moving. So I'll hold that bumper in my right hand and I'll have that dog's collar and ear in my left hand and I'm making them walk to the bumper and like almost like uh, you ever see like uh, the old chasing a carrot or dangling a carrot where you're constantly moving but you can't catch the carrot, right? I'm going to keep them moving and not let them have it right away but they're trying and trying and trying and then they get it. And then they're trying and trying and trying and then they get it. And they're trying and trying and trying and then they get it. And then they're trying and trying and trying and I'm lowering it to the ground. And then lowering it to the ground. And then lowering it to the ground. And then it's on the ground. And like I said in the last episode, they're all going to struggle picking up off the ground. All of them. If you text me and tell me one of your dogs picked it up off the ground, no problem. Then God, I will fly you to me so you can show me what you did. Because every dog... When you go from it being in your hand to picking it up off the ground is going to balk at it. You're going to be like, wait, 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 wait. You don't have it in your hand anymore. So get them to pick it up off the ground with that paint roller and have them doing it. Like three or four sessions of just that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where you have it in your hand and then you have it on the ground, and then you have it in your hand, and you have it on the ground, and then you have it on the ground, and then you have it on the ground, and then you have it on the ground, good dog. What you're trying to do is build success. If I jump right into, like, let's say Monday, the dog's picking it up off of the ground with my hand still on it, holding it up at an angle. So one tip of the corner of the paint roller is on the ground, the other tip is angled up at a 45 in my hand. He's doing that good on Monday. Well, if Tuesday I just leave it on the ground and don't go back to like where we left off on Monday for a few reps, then Tuesday you're probably going to start off on the wrong foot. So every time I start a new session, like Monday and now Tuesday, I'm going to revisit a few of Monday where we ended on a good note so that he starts off on a good note and then we progress. Okay. And then don't be afraid to stay on those steps. Like this is not a one week process. We talked about it in the first episode. This is a four, six, eight week process. And for someone who's never done it before, there is no rush. It might take you 10 weeks. I do think there's a problem with taking too long on it because you might be beating a dead horse and taking too much time and missing steps or overdoing a step. But. Let's just say eight weeks for everybody, right? So now I got the dog picking this paint roller up off of the ground. Now I'm going to switch to a bumper. And I like to use a nice hexa bumper from Avery or the tangle free bumpers that are, I don't think they're being sold anymore, but they're the hexagon ones that when they grip them, they can grip them nice and easy, okay? It's not slick. It's not, a, I, I want them, if it's a small dog, I'll do a two inch, but I like having them grab that three inch bumper because it's something they can have in their mouth and it's not sliding out to a side. It's not too light. It's got some meat to it and it's shaped properly so they can hold a good grip without fumbling it 
You're trying to create success. But again, now we switch from something they know, the paint roller, to something new. You're going to have a dog balk at it. You're going to have a dog wonder what to do. Why? You know, and in your brain, you're going to be like, what's the difference? I told them fetch. I pinched their ear. Nothing has changed. Well, something did change. You went from your paint roller to a bumper. So maybe take a step backwards and get them doing it with the bumper in your hand where you're doing the carrot analogy and they've got to chase the bumper and pick it up. Does that make sense, right? Does that make sense, Kev? Yeah, no, I'm tracking you. I mean, that that definitely makes sense. It's a progression, a sequential process. Right, and then when you start a new, something new, you might have to take a step backwards to say like, hey, 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 pup. You still remember this? still remember this. Okay, now I move forward. I just switched to a bumper. Let's move forward. Right. Right. So now once they're crushing that, I put that bumper on the ground, and they start getting it. Okay? And if they don't get it, just take a step backwards. Don't go crazy. Just take a step backwards and then keep moving forward. Now that I've got this dog, and now once if I don't have much problem with this, I basically put my walking fetch out which is three bumpers spaced roughly 10 foot apart. I've got the dog in my left hand with the ear flipped over and my thumb on his ear and the bumpers right in front of him fetch. He picks it up off the ground. I don't make him sit. I don't make him heal. I don't ask him to do anything but fetch and give. So as soon as that bumper is in his mouth and he stands up, I release. Like, as soon as the bumper's in his mouth, I release the pressure on his ear. Now, I've had some dogs where they keep their head low, and they don't want to pick their head up. I don't know why. They just don't. I've also had some dogs where they just hover over the bumper with their mouth open. I don't know why. They just do. So, let's take this scenario of the dogs just hovering over the bumper. These are things I'm trying to, you know, recreate in my brain issues I've had. Because not everything's as smooth as the process that I'm going to give. So these are common things I see. Like if I'm doing 10 dogs, one of them, one of 10 is going to do this hovering thing. One of 10 is going to pick that bumper up, but then keep his head low. What do I do? So let's tackle the hovering. They know that they need to fetch. Their mouth is open, but they're not picking it up. I will literally force their head down on it. So I've got control of the collar. I've got ear pinch pressure on, and I'm saying fetch, fetch, and their head's over top of it. I'm going to push their head down onto the bumper so their mouth is not – the bumper's in their mouth. They're just not closing it, and then I'll lift up and turn the pressure off. Well, maybe they didn't pick it up. Pressure back on, push down, pick it up. And you're just helping them be successful by forcing them to do it. And I'm not being rough. I'm just – making them do it right instead of just standing there being like well what do i do what do i do what do i do no just make them do it boom i mean if you already have your hand on their collar and on their ear and their head is two inches above the thing it's not i think the word force gets maybe like exaggerated a little bit yeah but it's really you're just you're but helping them i am i mean forcing, i understand but am, you're just right? really like i don't know you're it's helping the them it's the best way i can describe it you know, do I want to be PC and say gently nudge their head down lower? No, I'm forcing their head down. Pick that bumper up. Good dog. Right. Pressure on, pressure off. Uncomfortable, comfortable praise. 
So I'm just pushing down. Mouth goes, they grip it, boom, off the pressure. And, hey, all right, good dog. Okay, pet him, pet him, pet him. Yeah. Now, one thing I want people to think about. Actually, no, excuse me. So let's finish this. That's how I fix the hovering. The second thing you'll have happen is the dog will pick it up, but then their head stays low. I don't know why, but they do. All I'm going to do is with my hand on the collar, lift them up, pet them on the chest. When you pet a dog under the chin and on the chest, it's going to give them reassurance and naturally is going to pick them up. If you pet them on the head, you're, you're pushing, even though you're not pushing down physically and hard, you pet them on the head, their head's going to dip down. If you pet them under the chin and on the chest, their head's going to lift up. Okay. So you're going to lift them up by the collar. So you're physically lifting them up and then you praise and pet under the chest and that's going to keep them up and feel them, make them feel good and confident. So then you do the next one. So you put that bumper behind you, take it from them. Good. Give, put it behind you, walk to the next one. As you're pinching the ear, you walk to the next one, fetch, pick it up, pet him on the chest. Good dog. Grab it. Give, put it behind you. Walk to the next one, pinch the ear, pick up the bumper, pet him on the chest. Put it behind you. Walk a few feet. Turn around. Grab your ear. Fetch. Walk them to it. There's a lot of things in this stage where dogs will balk. They'll put on the brakes. They'll wrestle again. They'll squeal. They'll do it. All these things are normal. And all these things you have to work through. Remember uncomfortable comfortable and praise work them through the issue stay patient i mean that's a key stay patient so now we're on walking we're doing it right so maybe after five sessions five days one full week of this process of ear pinch going to a bumper picking it up releasing the pressure on the ear, taking it, putting it behind you and going and bang, 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 bang. Now they're starting to kind of pull you to it. As soon as you're pinching that ear and saying fetch, they're pulling you to the next bumper and trying to pick it up. When I'm feeling that, when I'm seeing the dog start to understand and really pull me to the next bumper, I'm going to hold them back a little bit. I'm going to create a little resistance so they've got to work and pull and strain to like, mm, I'm going to get it, bang. Uh, I'm going to get it, bang. And now you're creating this compulsion to drive to get that bumper. I'm not going to hold them back and like keep them from doing it. I'm just going to create a little resistance. So it's not super easy. It's just they got to work through that. Now, what I was going to say a minute or two ago, if you notice... I have stopped saying hold. And we talked about this at a little bit in depth in the first episode where hold is not a huge thing I ha I hammer on. And here's why. Now that I've taught fetch, now that I've got a dog reliably with ear pinch pressure picking this thing up, now I don't have to say hold because if the dog fumbles it and drops it, and I put pressure back on that ear, he knows, pick it back up and hang on to it. So if you have to say, hold, 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 
you're doing it wrong. Hold basically goes away once you establish a really good force fetch. So if you've ever hunted with a buddy or trained with a buddy who that dog is bringing the bird or bumper back and they're saying, hold, 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 it's unnecessary. If they've taught force fetch properly, all the dog now needs to know is here he'll sit because he has something in his mouth, he shouldn't drop it. So now that you're on walking fetch, ear pinch, you don't have to really say hold anymore because as soon as he fumbles it or drops it or spits it or does something stupid, ear pinch, fetch, they pick it back up, good dog, praise, take it from him. To me, it reminds me of, uh, you know, a lot of people ask how, you know, do we teach the dog stay? Right. Yeah. Good point. Kevin. Right. So it, it reminds me of that. Where no, I, you, the dog is taught sit until I say the release of okay or whatever your word is. Right. It, you don't have to teach two commands in one. It's just no, no, no. You sit or you know down, lay down. Right. Right. That's a, the that's a f- perfect analogy, Kevin. So that because I don't say stay, the dog only has to worry about one thing: sit or down. Or place. Right. They don't have to worry about anything but doing that. Fetch. All they got to worry about is fetch. And hold really was just to kind of have something to say to them while they've got it in their mouth and you're relaxing them. Now I'm just using the pressure of the ear and reps to understand that when this is in my mouth, life is good. Right. Okay. All right. Let's go on to e-collar. All right. So collar walking fetch. We just did. We have completed ear pinch walking fetch. Dog is picking up bumpers. The three bumpers, 10 foot apart, bang, 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 kind of pulling me to it. Now I'm going to overlay the e-collar. Now I find this extremely beneficial to have already collar conditioned the dog. I have some buddies that use force fetch to collar condition the dog. Again, everybody has a method to skin this cat. This is how I do it. I like to already collar condition the dog. So that dog already knows hear, heal, sit with the collar. And so it's not new to them. It's not uncomfortable to them. They understand what the collar feels like and what it means. I've already taught. Now, with collar fetch, I've got my left hand on the collar, my thumb on the ear, and the e-collar in my right hand. And I got bumpers laid out on the ground, 10 foot apart, right, everybody? I'm going to gently press the ear, because now they know. As soon as I flip that ear over onto the buckle of their collar, they're like, oh, man, let's go, pulling me to it. So I've already created that compulsion to do the job. Now I'm going to overlay the collar. And you can do it two ways. I do it differently every dog, and I do it differently probably every session. So take this with a grain of salt. You can do it continuous, or you can do it with a nick. I tend to do a nick. Okay? So I tend... Go ahead, Kev. Yeah, sorry. Uh, can you explain to people real quick, for those who may may not know, like the difference between a nick and a continuous on a knee collar? Because that, that might be new for some people, you know? I certainly can. Beautiful question. A nick is an instantaneous stimulation. 
So there's a button on your collar where you some collars are different, but let's just talk general. You're going to have a button for Nick, and you're going to have a button for Continuous. Or you're going to have a, a lever that you can flip and you either do Continuous or Nick. Gotcha. Let's just say you've got the you option both. of one of the either. So a Nick on my collar, if I hold that button down as long as I can, and I hold it really good, doesn't really matter. It's only going to do one nick. Okay. Like a snap of a finger, Instantaneous one stimulation, bink, bink. bink. Yeah. And how I say it, it's like bump, bump, bump. So I'm going to use my thumb and go bump, bump, bump. Every time I'm saying bump, guys, I'm pushing that button down. So that's a nick, nick, nick. Okay. If I hold that button down forever, it's only going to do one nick. It's not going to nick in a certain series. It's not going to nick sporadically. It's just one nick. So my stimulation on, for instance, fetch is I say the word fetch, and I'm going bump, 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 bump until the dog picks up the cop or picks up the bumper. You could also do continuous. And now continuous is if I hold that button down on a dog draw. It's like 12 seconds of continuous stimulation of what that nick would feel like. So you can hold that button down and go or you can hold it down and go however long you hold that button down up to 12 seconds, it's going to continuously stimulate that dog. Okay. Now there's pros and cons to either and or. It depends on the dog to me. It depends on what they're doing. It depends on the infraction. It depends on a lot of different things. But I think for the general public, if you were to go nick, 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 you're going to be good. Or if you just go low-level stimulation, continuous, you're going to be fine too. But on on most collars, continuous tends to be, quote, unquote, hotter. So let's say you your dog works on a 20 out of 127, 20, and you nick them on a 20, and they're good. They can take it. They understand it. They It's their normal working level. Continuous 20 is going to be a little bit hotter. It's gonna They're going to get more uh, sensation out of that. So maybe on that continuous, you're more like a 15 than the 20 or a 17 out of 20 instead of a 20. So you're going to have to feel your dog out. That's why I like to stick with a nick for most people and most dogs. So, we're on introducing collar walking fetch. I'm, I've got the dog driving to each bumper on the walking fetch. I'm overlaying collar and ear pinch. So, the dog in their brain, they understand the ear pinch. They already know what to do. It's already been ingrained in them now for a week or week and a half or two weeks, depending on the dog, that that ear pinch means drive to that bumper. And they've, I've also taught them what the e-collar means so they understand how to turn that collar off. So now I'm taking two things and molding them into one. I got my dog left hand on the collar, left hand, left thumb on the ear folded back. My right hand is on that e-collar. And I'm going to say fetch. I'm going to pinch the ear and I'm going to go nick, 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 nick. A lot of dogs are going to have a difficult time with this because now you've in- introduced something new. Just like every other time in force fetch, every time you take a new step, there's going to be a misunderstanding. They're not going to sh- be sure. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
I was cool with this a minute ago. Now you did something new. So all you have to do here, you don't have to take a – Kevin just goes, you have to take a step back. Not at this stage because to take a step back, they already got. Now we have to work through this stage, okay? Now we have to work through this stage. So it might take you a session or three to get them to understand that that ear, ear pinch and the nick, 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 nick are the same thing. So here's the deal. Here's how I do it. This is how I've found it to be most seamless. So the dog, generally for me, in the first session of it, I'm still going to pinch the ear. I'm still going to I'm gonna give low-level stimulation nicks until they pick that bumper up. Good dog, give. Pat him on the chest, take the bumper, put it behind me. Boom, 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 boom. Now, when you stop pinching the ear, you're going to have another problem. They're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not pinching my ear anymore. Now I'm just getting nicks. So you're going to keep your left hand on the collar, but don't pinch their ear. Just hang on to the collar. And then in your right hand, you're still nicking. So now, like, because the other way to do it, I'm sorry, would be to have them on a leash and just hold the leash and nick. They, they're going to balk at that. I hundred. That's another one. I 100% guarantee that no dog goes from ear pinch, overlay with the collar to a leash and doesn't have a problem understanding it. So I, to kind of bridge that gap, will hold the collar but not pinch the ear and use the e-collar and bump, bump, bump. And what's nice about that is if they're really struggling and they're like not fetching, they're just like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do. I can then take my thumb, flip that ear over, pinch the ear, and they're like, oh, yeah, I got it. Dunk. Turn the pressure off. Good dog praise. So you're able to actually, because I've still got control of that collar in my left hand, I can actually help that dog if they're really struggling, don't understand the e-collar yet, and that it means to turn the pressure off by fetching with the e-collar. I can then flip the ear over, pinch, boom, good dog. So we had a question come in just to clarify. Uh, I think they are kind of busting your balls a little bit. Bunny Snipe says hello. But uh, he also asked to join our video. <laughs> one hand, You got one hand on an ear pinch, one hand on the receiver, and one hand on a bumper. So he's out no. of hands. Right. So where's the bumpers on the ground? There you go. Sorry. If it maybe they came in late. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I just figured we'd. Well, yeah. So, fair question. Maybe came in late. We've now. To, I don't really even want to go backwards. No, no, I just want to make sure that there's bumpers already on the ground. I've already taught the, taught the dog to pick the bumpers up off the ground via ear pinch in a ladder, if you will, 10 foot apart. So, I don't have to have a bumper in my hand um, because I've already taught that. So, good question. But we've covered it previously. So, again, the dog is in ear pinch is reliably picking that bumper up, pulling me to that bumper, picking it up, and now it's time to overlay the e-collar. So I can have one hand on a remote, one hand on a collar, and on an ear, and there you go. Now, it is still kind of a good question because maybe you've got to lift that bumper up or maybe you've got to force it in their mouth. For sure. Then what I would do is neglect the collar put it drop leave it on the ground whatever grab the bumper but still use the ear because the ear is the fallback you mean neglect the receiver or i'm sorry neglect the the remote right sure yeah Yeah. and i mean neglect it like just toss it put in your pocket get rid of it grab that bumper and help that dog out but the dog understands the ear the most at this point 
so you can use the ear and get the bumper in his mouth, grab your collar again in a second, and just say, good dog, and then do it again. Gotcha. So now that we've overlaid the collar with the ear, and I let go of the ear, and I've just got the the collar in my hand, no ear in my hand, I'm going to do that for a few sessions. I'm going to make sure that they are pulling me to the bumper with e-collar stimulation. Whap, whap, whap. Turn around. Whap, whap, whap. And they're, you now fully understand that that collar stimulation, the way to turn it off is by fetching the bumper and hanging on to it. Okay? So you're just kind of going down the line. You got bumpers lined up. Boom, boom, boom. Right. So we're going to okay. talk about ladder fetch in a minute. All right. But if you look at a ladder, you've got different rungs of the ladder. So in front of me, I'm going to have me and the dog. In five foot, there's a bumper. Five foot, ten foot past that is a bumper. Five foot, ten foot past that is another bumper. Okay? Yeah. So you just have to basically, they if you have them too close, they're going to look at too many bumpers. If you have them too far, now you're walking you're too right. far yeah, yeah, and yeah. You're, you're, you know, ear pinching too far. So not too close, not too far. Five ten foot is probably my standard issue. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Now, n- transition, new transition. So the dog now is pulling me with my hand on the collar and my uh, e-collar stimulation. They're pulling me to the bumper like they were with the ear. They're pulling me. They understand if I grab this bumper when he says to, with, and it'll turn the e-collar off, and then I'm going to get praise. Now I put my lead on. Okay, I got my lead, my slip lead. I'm going to let go of the dog's collar. I'm going to hang on with my left hand on that lead, and I got my right hand on my my remote. Okay, fetch, nick, 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 nick. 100% guarantee that that dog is going to balk at it, and they're not going to know what to do. They're going to be like, I, you know, you let go of me. This is a new stage. What do I do? A couple things you can do. One, grab that collar, put him back on the bumper. Try again on the next one. If you got to grab that collar and put him back on the bumper, that's fine. By the fifth or sixth time, they're going to understand they got to do it. Now, the other thing you can do after you've tried it a little bit to to simplify now i'm going to say you know what son of a gun you're going to learn i'm going to i've showed you i've taken a step back now i think you're screwing with me a little bit this this is a possible scenario yeah no i, I got you right like not every dog's going to do this but this is a po- very possible scenario this could be something where someone's trying it with their dog and and like i got no idea well bob didn't say that one right, right so okay so here's what i do I ride it out, okay? Just like you rode out other little wrestling matches that you've had previously in Forest Fetch, you ride this out. This is where we push push through. Kind of, yeah, you got to work them through it. So it doesn't mean I crank the collar up. It doesn't mean anything weird or crazy, but I stay on it. Bump, 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 bump. Fetch, bud, fetch. Come on, fetch, fetch. And I'm going to take, I'm a righty, so I got to do it with my right foot. I'm going to take my right foot, and I'm going to roll that bumper out in front of them. Fetch, bump, bump, bump. I'm going to roll that bumper out with my right foot. I'm just going to keep that bumper out in front of their face so that if they are like, where do I go? I don't know. I don't know. I'm over here. I'm over there. You are constantly getting that bumper in front of them. So if they do make eye contact with that bumper and they're like, shit, maybe I should try this. Wham, and pick it up. You're like, hey, good dog. Oh, my God. You did it. Good boy. Good dog. Good girl. 
oh, it's the same as before. Right. Okay? So I'm going to fight tooth and nail to make that dog successful using my foot to get that bumper out in front of them to, hey, you know, point to it. Whatever I got to do, but they've got to kind of eat that pressure for a minute to understand understand that, oh, nothing has truly changed. All I got to do is grab that thing. And as soon as you get two or three of those little fights out of the way, bam, bam, bam. I'm telling you, it's like they got it. The now light, they light got it. The light bulb goes off. Yes, the light bulb goes off. Now they've got it. But it's going to take two or three where you're like, what is this dog? Do- Why is this dog not understanding? So all you have to do is like be their advocate, even though you're putting pressure on them and it kind of stinks here and there. You have to work to get them to be successful, and you got to be real quick to be like, okay, he doesn't understand. Boom, get it out in front of him. Come on, get it. Fetch, fetch, fetch. Come on, hop, hop. Come on, get it. Fetch. Bang, they got it. Good dog. All right. But I, th- I think it's important to note that it, you, you're putting pressure on the dog from like a logical let's teach sort of standpoint, not a I'm angry and why aren't you getting it? And so that's like you're getting frustrated and putting pressure on a dog yeah, yeah, like yeah. a jerk. Right. This is like – Nope, we're uncomfortable, comfortable, got to, like, you will learn how to turn it off, and then they do. Right. So, again, Kev, you made a really good point, man. You're coming in hot today. Love it. Firing on all cylinders, Take Kevo. Notes. He had his Wheaties. Was that Wheaties that? That was a long time ago. I don't know. Maybe his Wheaties make you strong and smart. All right, so. Gluten-free, I don't know. Kevin's gluten-free? What about Bush Light? Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Yeah, you're right. Gluten. Oh, oh, I hit the hit the thingy. All right, listen. So Kevin makes a good point. Pressure doesn't mean a bad thing. This is not neg this is it's not fun all the time, but it's not negative. It's not like the worst thing in the world. It's gonna seem like it at times, but your job as the trainer is to teach and to show them how to progress and how to get out of that and how to win. If they can fight through difficult times now, remember in episode one, we talked we talked about this is teaching the dog how to learn. If you can get through a hard time and be successful, you get praise, you get my love, you get affection, you get retrieves, you get a lot of awesome things come by complying quickly with commands. And therefore, this is just one of those stages in training where they're going to have a hard time with it. But then all of a sudden that light bulb goes off and bam, 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 you're back to progress, back to progress, okay? So we covered the transition from holding the collar to going to a leash and how I 100% guarantee they're going to struggle with it. Right. Well, now they're crushing it. So if you think about it, not yet in my training, in the podcast and a half that we've done, have I told you to make the dog heal, make the dog sit, make the dog hear, make the dog do anything other than fetch. All I want that dog to worry about is fetch. If you start putting on more things on them, here, heal, sit, 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 they'll drop it. They'll do, they'll, they'll screw up. They're going to have to think about too many things. You're stressing them out enough by pinching and pressing a button and all that, that they're worrying about those things, now you're making them worry about here, he'll sit? No, 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 no. Not until now. So now we've built a process and a program where the dog understands pressure on, pressure off, pick that bumper up, now what? 
before we move forward to kind of like the next next section, we had a good question come in. Uh, long time listener, good buddy. Uh, how about when you get a dog that's starting to shut down? That was, uh, that was a big sigh, off microphone sigh. What do I do if a dog's shutting down? Can you first describe uh, what he means by shutting down? And then also, I mean, you've, you've kind of covered it in, if in theory. But he makes a good point of, like, what happens if, like, what are we doing if the dog just quit? If just quit? Like, well, I, no, I'm not doing it, right? The simplest answer is go backwards. Remember we talked about in the first episode, if you've got a kink in the link or a chink in the link or whatever it was I was getting around <laughs> about last time, you've got a problem. You've created it. You as a trainer have created it. This is not a dog problem. This is a you problem. How do I fix it? Where is my issue and how do I resolve this? Now, I'm not perfect. I've screwed some dogs up. I've had to fix it. I've had to give people a great dog at the end of training and and you have to get them out of it. What do you what be creative? I remember one dog when I was working in South Carolina, she just quit retrieving. She was a bat out of hell and she was almost done with forest fetch. And then she realized one problem that can happen, guys, is now we're doing we're pressuring on bumpers, which is gonna bring me to another point. You never have yet heard me talk about putting pressure on a dog with a duck in his mouth or any bird. Okay, so we're going to touch on that. Write that down, Kev, please. Um, now I've put pressure on this bumper, and this bumper is now a negative in their head. They're like, huh, that thing isn't fun anymore. That thing is force fetch. Okay. What do we got to do? You can do two things. One. I can be a jerk and I can make you do it. I will pressure you so much that you will do it. And to be honest with you guys, that's some people's methods. That is some people's methods. I have tried it. I failed at it. The best thing you can do at that point, like let's say you make a bumper a bad thing. Give them a couple days off. Maybe have another person come out because they're resenting you. They're resenting the bumper. They're resenting the process. They just don't have grit. They don't give a crap. You're trying to make a, you know, turkey sandwich out of a shit sandwich, okay? That happens. That's part of training. We don't all get field champions. We get some turds. Well, you've got to train them. And, and their owners still love them. Right. But you've got to train them. Yeah. So maybe you take a couple days off. Maybe you take a different bumper. Maybe you just use ducks for a couple days. Maybe you have someone else come out and throw fun bumpers for that dog. Create fun. Like one dog I had, I can remember the dog right now. This happened. She stopped retrieving. Wouldn't go, wouldn't come back, wouldn't do this, wouldn't do that. She associated it with a mistake that I made, a chink in my link. But you know what she did love? Swimming. That dog was so nuts about retrieving in water that one day I was like, I, I just, I'm going to take her for a walk. Me and her are just going to go bond, no pressure, no training. Just let's go take a walk. Boom. She bombs into the water. I'm like, dang. Okay. 
I threw a bump. She's just swimming. I threw a bumper into the water. She picked it up, brought it back, held onto it. Here, heel set. And I'm like, dang, girl. Threw it again. She picked it up. Swam, picked it up, brought it back. Here, heel set. Threw it again. And then I ended the session. And I put her up, and she didn't get trained the rest of the day. Second day, I came out, threw it in the water. Bam, bam, bam. Went back to four fetch. Bam, bam, bam. Went back to the field. Bam, bam, bam. But whatever it was, I just circumvented the problem brought back the fun because this is it's supposed to be fun like this isn't force fetch again in the first episode we covered this force fetch isn't i'm not grinding them into like submission to make them do what i want them to do i'm just teaching them there's things you have to do that you don't like there's things that in, in the positives that come out in the end like learn how to learn turn pressure off get my praise work hard for me it's a part of life to do things you don't like sometimes. And some dogs don't like it. We got to get them to do it. We got to make them do it. But then at the end of making them do it, it's got to be awesome. So as a trainer, you got to remember to make it awesome. That success has to be outweigh the negative. Okay. So if I got a dog that's shutting down on me, I got to somehow take a step back, figure out why, analyze it, talk to other pros, talk to other people, other people who've done it. Don't just ask, like, Tom, Dick, and Harry who's done two dogs. Right. He he followed up, and to be more specific, so that you can have more of a specific answer, uh, the dog understands ear pinch, but in transition from ear pinch to collar, it just keeps taking it. So to me, it kind of means that it doesn't actually understand ear pinch and it doesn't so understand the say, pressure. No, so I would say you keep on ear pinch with low level stimulation on the collar. If that's the if that's the scenario where the dog, you're again, I don't know if you just joined us or not, or if you listen to this whole thing, but that's the scenario I'm talking about where you transition from ear pinch holding the collar to just collar. If you let go of the ear, but are still holding the collar you're, and, and, and delivering the stimulation, you're probably going to get better results. And then if you have an issue, you still have that thumb to flip the ear over. So all you're doing is spending a little bit more time on that. So he's not shutting down. He just doesn't understand. You probably skipped one of those little sections that I add into force fetch that the DVDs and all the other stuff that you can read don't tell you. Sure. This is like a little mini section, a two or three day section that helps mold and weld it together so that it's smooth. So, but, but really to answer the, the whole question, because you are, someone's going to get a dog that shuts down on this. Someone's going to get a dog that's like, well, he just won't do it anymore. You have to teach. Just try. Teach. Don't lose your patience. Don't go to the next level of pressure. Don't go over here. Don't go over there. Don't quit. Worst thing you do in anything in life is quit. But same with a dog. Worst thing they can do on me is quit. So we've got to get them through it. How do I figure this out? Why is the dog quitting? Why is the dog not understanding that collar? Maybe Kevin's right. Maybe you do have to do some more time on ear pinch. Or maybe you jumped too quickly to e-collar without pairing it long enough with the ear pinch. Something they understand. If they understand ear pinch... And then maybe spend more time overlaying it so you're doing two things at once, ear pinch and collar, and get that dog to do it. Okay? Yeah. Bunny agrees. Bunny? What's up, Bunny? My man. Plantation Pet Care. Hashtag Plantation Pet Care. Charleston, South Carolina. All your obedience and dog walking needs, baby. It'll be $100, Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Bunny, $100. You can Venmo me right now. 
Let's right. keep rolling. Let's yeah, keep going. So, so I'm going to ask Kevin a favor. I know we're going to still roll with this, but let's hold off questions till the end because it makes me digress, and I totally forgot where we were. Because um, it is very sequential. It's very, you know, process. So if I remember correctly, we've gone from ear pinch, ear pinch, and collar to just collar but still holding the collar to now we're on the leash. And we talked about how if you noticed I never said here he'll sit yet, okay? Or ducks. Right. Okay. D- ducks is now a good time to talk about this. So talking about dogs shutting down, talking about dogs resenting the bumper, I do not force fetch on ducks. I do not make a dog hold Remember we talked about monkeying with hold with hammers and this and that before? All the dumb things you were making. Right. I don't do it with ducks. I don't do it with pigeons. I don't do it with chucker. I don't do it frozen, dead, live. We don't do it because dogs could then resent that object. That's why we use a paint roller in the beginning because if they resent a paint roller, I don't care because I'm never going to use a paint roller in the field ever again. But we've got to get them over bumpers. So if they do have an issue with bumpers, 99.99% of the time I've ever done this, they don't care afterwards. They're good with bumpers afterwards because we've then increased the fun after. But anyways, I don't force fetch on ducks. I don't do walking fetch with ducks because you're putting pressure on something that needs to be the most ultimate awesome. Okay, It's a last resort. And it is one of those things where I need to know if you asked me, if you called me and said, hey, I'm having a hard time, I need to make sure before I give you permission and suggest that you put pressure on ducks, that the whole process of force fetch is so solidified in this dog that now, okay, you know what? We've exhausted all measures. Now you can do it. So there's that. Because worst case scenario is now you've done it wrong and your dog's going to hate ducks. So do this process thoroughly, and and then ducks will be zero issue. Okay. So, we are on walking fetch with an e-collar with a leash. I got the leash in my left hand, e-collar in my right. So, I'm going to start walking to towards the bumper, ladder bumper, right? 10 foot, 10 foot, 10 foot in the leash, and I'm going to let that leash slide through my hand. Okay, so I'm going to say fetch, nick, 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 nick. Now the dog's going to leave my side from heel, and they're going to haul butt to pick that bumper up. And then now I've got a four-foot wonder lead, right? He picks that bumper up, pressure's turned off, good dog. Here, just guide him back, here, heel, sit, okay? So I've got that lead to help guide him back into the here, heel, sit. Take the bumper, put it behind me. Fetch, nick, 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 pick the bumper up, here he'll sit. And I've, again, this lead that I have, the leash that I have on this dog is now my guiding tool to get him to build reps, just like fetch. We're building reps to here he'll sit, okay? So now we're crushing it. Bang, 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 bang. They're on leash fetch. Leaving my side on lead, picking the bumper up, bringing it back. Here he'll sit. Now I'm going to do ladder fetch, okay? Kevin's smiling. Somebody's writing some jargon on there. No, we're good. Okay. Now we're going to do ladder fetch. 
the bumpers are the same as walking fetch, but I'm standing still. So instead of healing the dog to these each bumpers, I'm going to send them from my side fetch. They leave my side, bump, 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 pick that bumper up, come back. Now the next bumper's 15 feet away. Fetch, bump, 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 pick it up, bring it back. Now the next bumper's 20 feet away. Fetch, bump, 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 pick the bumper up, here he'll sit. So through good habit, teaching, they've learned that going and getting something, picking it up, bringing it back to me, here he'll sit. Through reps, using the leash, all that stuff, we've created good habits of delivery to hand, okay? If you're struggling with delivery to hand, maybe the dog runs past you. Maybe the dog runs to your right instead of coming to the left. There are things you can do to mitigate that. First thing you can do is take a step backwards and just work on here he'll sit. Sit the dog in front of you, here he'll sit. Here he'll sit. And just use that leash to guide them and make them come in correctly. Now let's say they sidestep you to your right. I lift my leg. I literally do like a siding, side heel kick, Jean-Claude Van Damme style. I'm going to side kick them, not kick the dog, but kick the air. And the dog will be like, dang, that doesn't look so fun to go over there. And all of a sudden, they're going to bounce to the left. Good dog, here. Heel. Okay. Kevin asked me to say the Jean-Claude Van Damme analogy, okay? So the dog's coming at me. I mean, I'm, I get it. I'm just, I feel like that was quick and... Yeah, all right. So the dog's coming at me, and he veers to my right, but I want him to heel on my left, okay? I'm going to take my right leg and stick it out as a block. As a, right. I'm okay. blocking the dog from that side, and they're going to now think about what they want to do, and then I put my foot down, and I kind of step that way, too. And it's going to suck them into my left. And then I'm going to good, good dog here. He'll sit. And you're just, you're creating, no, nah, that's not where you want to go. This is where you want to go. No, this isn't where you want to go. This is where you want to go. And then you can also put the leash back on them, reel them in, make them do it. If they go past me, generally what I'll do is bump them on the collar. No here. No here. Sit. Good. So you're making it uncomfortable, whether it's using that physical pressure of the foot coming out. Not kicking them again, but your physical, like, you blocked that section. Your presence. Yeah. I blocked that section from you over here or leash or neck. Yep. But here he'll sit. Again, let's say during this process, at any given time, that dog drops the bumper. What do you do? Fetch, Nick, fetch. Fetch, Nick, fetch. Fetch, Nick, fetch. Now, see, so your verb, like... Yeah, they, slow, yeah, slow down. You're verbally Sorry. saying "fetch." Yeah. Good question. And then Sorry. nicking the dog with the cop with again. the with the e cop. There you go. Okay. Yep. Fetch. Give a nick. Fetch. Okay. So you're giving a command. Okay. Yep. You're giving the command, giving the pressure, giving the command. Good dog. Let's say I reach down and I fumble the bumper. Now at this stage in my training, I don't pick up anything anymore. If a dog drops a bumper or whatever. I don't pick it up anymore. Fetch. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to put pressure on it, but fetch. You pick it up. You better hold it until I actually take it from you. Don't just spit it out because you think my hand's coming. Okay? Don't just spit it out because you feel a little tension. Spit it out because I told you give. Right. And if they do spit it and it falls on the ground, fetch. Good dog. You know, when people come over and play fetch with Birdie in the backyard or whatever, and I tell them, like, oh, tell, tell her give. She'll give it to you, you know, whatever. 
They're like, well, she she won't she won't let go of it. I'm like, well, you're not taking it from her. She's not just gonna like spit it in your hand. Like you you receive it from her. And it's really funny that people don't understand. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, some dogs are more gentle about it. Some dogs are more like waiting for you to have a little right. tension, whatever the case may be. But you have yeah. to literally take it from Birdie, or she won't drop it. It's really funny though. Yeah. All right. So that's ladder fetch. They are now leaving your side and going at a progression further away from you to get this. This is the intro to forcing to a pile. This is the intro to creating a blind retrieve. The dog understands pressure on and off. The dog is not screwing up, dropping bumpers. They're not fumbling bumpers. They're not screwing around. You now have a force fetch dog. Okay? So in episode one, we talked about throwing retrieves during retriever training where they're getting a mark and they might drop it at your feet or drop it 10 feet away from you. And I told you before, don't sweat it. We're going to fix it. This is when I fix it. So when this dog is on ladder fetch and they're leaving my side and picking this up and understand it, now in the field, I'm going to make a stand and I'm going to say, today's the day, baby. Today is the day. Throw that bird. Go pick it up. Brew. He goes, he leaves, he brings it back and he drops it at my feet. Fetch. Nick. Nick, 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 Nick. I'm putting pressure. I'm not asking him. Because if I said fetch and he just did it, great, cool. But what not, I now need him to realize is, ooh, that was a no-no dropping it. Because if I just tell him fetch and there's no repercussions, what did he learn? He could drop it, and yeah, I'm going to ask him to do it, and then right. I've created a habit that dropping it is okay. And I'm he just going to pick it up again. Right. He needs to learn that, no, 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 I do you, not. You don't drop, drop it. it anymore. Right. Like, you know that it's in your mouth and you just hang on to it until I tell you give. Right. Remember, this is also where we don't say hold, 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 hold. Yell and hold at the dog while you're trying right. to hunt. Yeah. Forget that. So you send the dog. They come back. They spit the bu- bumper or duck out at your feet. Fetch, Nick, fetch. Fetch, Nick, 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 fetch. Good dog. Okay. Here. All right. Throw another one. Brew. Goes and gets it. Brings it back. Drops it. Fetch, Nick, fetch. Good dog. Goes and gets it, drops it at my feet. Now I'm going to turn it up a little bit, baby, because pressure's on. Like, you can, at this point in his training, he can take it and he can understand it. So I'm going to go, like, let's say he's on a normal two. I'm going to put him to a three high or a four low. Okay? It's going to suck a little bit more, buddy, because I've given you two opportunities. Now on the third one, I'm going to make it a little bit fresher. Boom. Now on that fourth one, I would bet you $100 he won't drop it. Because one, two, and now three kind of sucked a little bit more. Four is going to be mint. Throw him one more. Fifth. Good dog. All right. Hey, so now we, you know, that was session one of his marks. We go to session two of his marks. We're on a different section. He might drop on the first one. I'm back to my two. I'm back to my normal working level. Right. Okay. Fetch, Nick, fetch. Good dog. Two, three, four. Smashed it. Didn't drop him. I almost guarantee it. It's literally that quick where if you've done your homework and you've done it right and you've taken your time and your dog understands all this process, two podcasts worth of eight weeks, okay? That's good to know is how long do these things take. Right. Yeah, a while. Yeah, eight weeks, and that dog fully comprehends it that it's literally a couple days of throwing marks with that dog, and it's going to comprehend and understand, don't drop it, and here he'll sit nicely and deliver to hand and not drop birds. Now, go to water. 
he can be crushing this on land and for weeks at a time not drop a single duck or bumper bringing it back. You go to water, he's going to shake off and drop that sucker. So what do you do? Take a wild stab. Get him. Get him. Same thing I just did. You're going to just do fetch, nick, fetch. He's As he's shaking, shaking off, nick, 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 nick. He picks it up. Good dog. Okay, here. Good. I'm not yelling at him. Right. I'm not frustrated. I'm not pissed off. I'm just... He's just feeling it as he's shaking off, and then he picks it up. Pressure's turned off. Good dog. Here, throw it again. And so he learns. Come out of the water. You can still shake. I don't really care if they shake as long as they don't drop that bird. Okay? So I used to. Why might some people care? Uh, Right? Because they're sticklers. Yeah, and stupid too. You know, some people say, like, well, it's damaging the game. Right, you shot a duck; it's damaging in the game. Listen, bro, I've shot a you lot of ducks. You just shot it out of the air. Yeah, you just shot it with you know a gun, and yeah, then you're going to cut it and eat game. it. The dog shaking off is not going to damage that game. That dog chomping it'll damage the game, or plucking it and shredding it and yeah, eating yeah. it'll damage the game. That's a no no. But shaking off when it's coming out of the water, but still holding it is not going to damage it. Just so ringing again, its neck for you, right? <laughs> no, Kevin. <laughs> so, so now. We've created this hang on to it out of water. Same idea. If they drop it, they're getting some pressure. Let's say they don't drop it out of the water, but they get to your side and drop it. Same idea. Fetch Nick. Fetch Nick, 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 Nick. They pick it up. Good dog. Okay. So it's a very seamless transition to the retrieving field, to the field work, if you've done all the steps. All right. But before we jump into pile work... Let's dabble. Let's digress. Uh, Kevin says I say digress at least once an episode. So let's digress. Now it's two times this episode. It's actually three, but who's counting? I was. Christmas time, baby. It's coming around the corner. And I hate to say it because I feel like we're rushing things. I don't want to rush into a relationship with you, Lone Duck, Gundog Chronicles listeners, but if you're interested in picking up some gear, now is the time to, you know, give your little special someone who might gift you some things to guide you and guide them towards Lone Duck Outfitters website. Give them an ear pinch. Pinch them over to it. Force them a little bit into it. I don't care. But check out the website. We've got some great gear currently, and we're also working on some new designs that we're really hoping to have out here soon so you can get them in time for Christmas. So your support by going to the website and ordering something, it's a little bit on your end. It means a lot to us. So thank you for checking out LoneDuckOutfitters.com and a little Christmas love, a little Santa Claus coming to town, a little get you some Lone D in your life. Get you some Lone D. All right. Forced to pile. Forced to pile. All right. Forced to pile. Let's get serious here. Now, we've got this dog leaving my side, doing real well on this ladder. And they're doing real well on delivering here, heel, and sit. I'm going to take my white, my trusty white pole that you can get at Tractor Supply or Ace Hardware or anywhere white poles are sold <laughs> in your area. These are not rocket science poles. They're plastic. It's like... It's like a stake that you'd put in your like next to your driveway, so landscaping. Yeah, be like, oh, don't 
plow into my yard. Well, if you're from Florida, you don't have snow plows, but I guarantee you still have white poles. So it'd be like a plastic pole for fake fencing, temporary fencing, and there's black ones, there's white ones. Buy a couple of each, baby. Don't be afraid. They're like $1.50 each. Get a couple of them because we're going to use them later in life in your dog's training. So don't just get one. Get four. And the black ones are cool, too, because if you are in New York and you're training in snow, you stick that black one out, white won't stand up good against the snow. You get a black one, and the dog looks out and sees it. We're creating confidence here. And then if you are in grass, you can put that black one out, and now you can see the black one, but the dog has a harder time. So get a couple of each. But let's talk about the white pole. I want the dog to associate the white pole and the pile. So I'm going to put the the uh I'm going to put that pole at the end of 100 yards, okay? 100? Hold on. Let me explain. 100 yards. Boom. Put the pole and put all your bumpers there. White bumpers, orange bumpers, black and white bumpers, all your bumpers. Every bumper you got. Canvas, whatever you got. Dokens. I don't care. Stick them all out there. The key is don't just... If you have one bumper, it's time to invest in more bumpers, folks. Get you a pile of bumpers, a.k.a. pile work. Real quick, uh, what kind of bumpers do you like? Because you can get a, there's a lot of different kinds out there. Again, I have a boatload of tangle-free bumpers that are in that hexagon shape, but tangle-free no longer sells them. Long story. Yeah. Get into yeah, it on the no, podcast. But... Avery sells them. Tangle Free may still sell them. I don't know. But they're hexagon shaped. I like three inch black and whites. You can use them for anything. Marks, blinds, pile work. Three inch black and white is my preference. I do have all whites. I do have oranges. But if you are the economical person that needs to buy 12 bumpers, buy 12 black and white three inch bumpers. Um... Now, I'm going to put my dozen bumpers at this white pole 100 yards away. Now, Kevin was about to jump on me and say, like, whoa, 100 yards? No, 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 no. We're not starting at 100 yards away, but that's where we're going to put it. I'm going to walk that dog probably on lead just to have control, and I'm going to walk him 10 yards away. I'm going to say fetch. And I might even throw a bumper from my side into the pile of bumpers, have them sit there and look at it, fetch, nick, 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 and they leave my side and go and get it and bring it back to me. And you're nicking them as they are leaving your side, or you are nicking them to get them to leave your side, or, like, that's new, so, to, like, run Good me through. Point. So you have done this in ladder. So they have left your side where you're nicking them. So it should be relatively easy transition. This should be a much easier transition than the other ones, okay? If they fully understand that turning the e-collar off means go and get a bumper. Plus, you've already possibly established the pile by throwing a bumper. So now you've increased the likelihood of them leaving your side and going and getting it because you've thrown a mark. So they go and get the bumper. Now, here is where you read the dog and you tweak things finesse game i don't know your dog but most of the time 
I nick a couple nicks until they leave my side and they're en route. And then I turn pressure off. As long as they do good and keep holding that line and pick a bumper up and come back to me, I'm good with that. A couple bumps, they leave, they go, good. Fetch. Bump, 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 bump. Get it. Pick it up. Bring it back. Fetch. Bump, 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 bump. They leave. Halfway there, I turn the pressure off. They get it. Bring it back. Now, sometimes I'll continue the pressure so it's a bump, nick, 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 all the way to the pile. Sometimes I'll just do a couple nicks from my side. And then there's what's called in root force. So maybe I'll nick, nick, nick. They leave my side. They're halfway to the pile. I'll say fetch, nick, and they'll finish the retrieve. Now, this is where I overlay and introduce the word back. So they understand the word fetch, right? That means go pick something up. So I'll say fetch, back, fetch, back, fetch, back. And I'm using pressure because they understand turning the pressure off. So they know that and they're comfortable with that. No big deal. And they understand fetch. Well, now you're saying back. You're throwing a new loop. This can sometimes create a problem. 90% of the time it doesn't. But sometimes they'll look back at you and be like, what did you say? What was that extra word you put out there? And they'll get weird and you'll just, if you take a couple steps forward towards them and say fetch and back again and Nick, they usually just work it out themselves after one or two little mishaps. Gotcha. So it's not a biggie, but just now, let's say they struggle with this, simplify, move up closer to the pile, maybe throw them another bumper to establish the pile, just simplify a little bit that way. But basically, enforce to a pile, you're just creating that compulsion to leave your side, go to the pile, pick something up and come back. Fetch, back, fetch, back, nick, 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 fetch, back, nick, nick, nick. And they are leaving your side and going. Now, let's say you're 10 yards away, okay? Well, 10 yards is what, 30 foot? All right, shorter than 10 yards, 30 foot might be a little far, 15 feet. So now they do five or six that way. Now go to 20 feet. Now go to 30 feet. Now go to 50 feet. And then I would probably stay there, depending on how good or not they are. If they're not doing well at 50 feet, but they were at 30 feet, move up to 30 feet. Simplify again and get them going. Sometimes they'll go halfway, turn around and look at you and wonder what's going on. Walk towards them. Fetch, nick, nick, fetch. Come on, hop. Get it over there. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. just getting them to that pile, pick it up, turn the pressure off. Good dog. Make them successful. Mm-hmm. Teaching them, right? So now, let's say after three or four sessions, we're and this is where I'm at with, like, Brew and Hunter and John John and Cash. They're all on force to a pile. Cruise pups. All is Cash a cru- cruise pup, too? Mm-hmm. My man. They're all cruise pups, and they're all on force to a pile. And... Today, for instance, I'll give you an example. Brew was doing really, really good transitioning to back and doing really good. And I was backing up and then he balked. All I did was move up, simplified, and he got it. And then I backed up again and then he got it, got it, got it. And then we ended. Okay. So these sessions, all this force work is like less than 10 minutes. These aren't long sessions. Sometimes you can do two in a day. Sometimes you do one in a day. They're not long sessions. They're just reps. Can I, I, I meant to interrupt you as I always do earlier, as you were talking about, you, you mentioned like, uh, some this process is like eight weeks long, paraphrasing what you said, but is it eight weeks long for you? Because for you doing it all day, every day, dogs 
are with you all day, every day under that leadership and consistency. <coughs> Do you know what I mean? Where, where you're no, doing it. it a couple times a day or like the, the Joe Schmo, like a uh, me who comes home after work and is like, yeah, I got, I got 10 minutes. Let's, let's do something. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. So here's my thing. Once you start forest fetch, you shouldn't stop. You should do your best to do it now and don't stop. So for instance, I had a guy message me on Instagram. Hey, I got an eight month old. He's doing great hunting. You know, he's kind of young to hunt, but he's, he's hunting. He's doing a good job. Should I start forest fetch now? Here's my thought with that. You can, but I wouldn't. I would just let him drop that duck when he comes back to me hunting and just worry about this after duck season. So maybe the dog's 10 months old. Worry about it then. It's wintertime. It's not duck hunting time. You're going to have downtime. You're going to want to keep progressing with your dog's training. Worry about it then. Don't worry about it now. Because what you're going to end up happening is probably losing your patience and dealing with it in the field when you're hunting, and that's not the right time to be monkeying with this. For sure. You don't have the same control. It's not the right time to screw with it. Right. Don't do it now. Um, and a good point that you are bringing up, like the average person who's their first time force fetching a dog, is it re- okay and fair to say eight weeks? No. Maybe it's 12. I don't know, man. I, I don't remember really what it was used to be like, but I would say... Let's just give you an example. If you're the average Joe accountant that comes home from work and it's you're tired and you got to do something with your dog, it's only five to ten minutes. If you can do that four days a week, you can still probably get it done in eight to ten weeks. What I find that people will struggle with is they'll do it twice a week or once a week or three times this week, once next week, four times the following week, and you're just being very inconsistent with the dog. This is the time in training where you you can't miss. You shouldn't miss. If you're going to take this challenge and take your dog to the next level, have some discipline and do it four to five days a week where the dog can learn daily and progress at a rate where he doesn't forget what you did last week or five days ago or four days ago. Yeah, And I think that's fair too. I mean, it, you use the word discipline. Like if you're going to expect that sort of discipline out of the dog, that when I give you a command, then you understand the command and then comply with said command. I mean, you got to have the discipline yourself to, to teach. Sure. So let's say you're the average Joe who has an eight to five, Get up a little bit earlier, take care of your dog, get your stuff done, do five minutes. Let them go potty, put them back in their crate, and go to work. Come home, let them do their thing, maybe do a little retriever training, have dinner. Before you go to bed, do five minutes. I'm not asking you to do game-changing, world-changing, go set up wingers and marks and you know all this stuff. You can do it in your basement, you can do it in your living room, you can do it in your garage. Five minutes every day, 10 minutes every day for the next eight weeks is going to create the answer. You remember, you know, Matt Decay. Yeah, good buddy. His dog, Izzy. Great dog, Izzy. We put the utility title on her. Not perfect score, which you're not supposed to say. Remember that last episode? Yeah. 
Almost, though. Almost, but uh, he force-fetched her himself, and she was a challenge, which I've force-fetched several dogs out of that like pedigree, and they were all hard for me. But he was like, man, it took me like six months. And I was thinking to myself, like, bro, six months? You know how strenuous that is on your dog to be doing this, like, monotonous, boring, pressure, unfun thing for six months? Like, get it over with. And if you've got a problem, freaking call me. But, you know, it shouldn't take what, – what I would imagine is he got stuck on something. He got stuck on hold. He got stuck on ear pinch. He got stuck on not picking it up off the ground. He got stuck on something and hammered it to a pulp instead of, okay, she's not getting this. Let's try this. She's not getting that. Let's try this. Let's try this. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, she got it. Boom. Move on. And there's different little, even on this podcast of two hour long episodes, I'm probably missing little finesse things that I've learned over the years that have helped me. Yeah, but it's hard because you're not doing it. I mean, it's one of those things where it's almost like muscle memory. It's, like, it yeah, as I'm doing it, I'm thinking. Right. I'm not even I'm, thinking. I'm just doing. That's why I like the little tip of like when you just, when you go to the ground and you lift it up at a 45 degree angle. So a piece of it's on the ground, but a piece, is, piece of it's in your hand. That's a huge step that I learned by myself. Nobody showed me it, but it helped me. Right. Or um, not doing the glove. Well, people spend two weeks on the glove. Well, that's how two week, you know, an eight week thing turns into a uh, ten week. Thing. Um, or no, it, you know it makes sense. So, so yeah. there's things that people do that beat a dead horse that you don't have to beat. Like you can just work through this process and have little nuances to get you through it. Um, does Matt listen to our show? I think he does. Hey, Matt. I think he does. <laughs> What's up, bud? Sorry to call you out. I shouldn't have used your last name. Whatever. We don't edit things, though. So we don't Matt. edit things, so it's it's in there, Matt. My bad. Um, all right. So that pile work, let's get back to that real quick. So now I've created this pile with a white pole, maybe a white milk jug on that pole. So it's very black and white. They can look out and see it. That's going to come in handy when I'm creating pattern blinds, lining paths, and white pole blinds in the dog's future where they're going to look out confidently, see that thing out there, and drive to it. So all you're doing through force fetch, and now that you're on to pile work, is turning pressure off and knowing that when I say back or fetch, I got to go. I got to go. I don't know where I'm going, maybe, but I got to go. I got to leave his side, and he's going to get me there. So that's going to come in handy when you're teaching blinds, when you're forcing the water, when you're doing swim by, when you have icy cold water and the dog doesn't want to go, but it knows it has to. And then all of a sudden at the end of it is an awesome retrieve. You're creating a, I must not, eh, I feel like it or I don't feel like it. Yeah. That makes sense. And this is a very handy when you've got a dog, like we talked in episode one with like maybe low drive or soft. Some of those dogs will choose to do the work or not choose to do the work. This is teaching them you may not want to, but you have to. That there if, is no choice. And if you do it, great things happen. Praise, ducks, love, affection, hooting and hollering, high-pitched Bob voice, woohoo, buddy, I don't know, woohoo. 
What a dog. What a dog. <sighs> La- what a what dog, was it? Last baby. week, two weeks ago, we went hunting with Memphis, and she was running down that uh, ring neck. Oh, yeah. Paddling through uh, skim ice. through skim ice. <sighs> yeah, maybe next episode we'll, we'll review that hunt, but... Yeah, she's breaking through skim ice. But point being, like, the drive is there, and it helps to build that desire. Mm-hmm. Get the job done. So, in essence, if I can leave you with anything, remember this. Whether you have a hard dog, soft dog, timid dog, strong dog, big dog, little dog, you can force fetch it. If you follow a program, if you follow this program... And you are consistent, you are level-headed, you don't overdo pressure, you don't underdo pressure, you don't let the dog take advantage of you by, like, if the dog starts squealing, you let up the pressure. Well, now it learned that squealing is going to turn off the pressure. If they fight you and wriggle and reel and push and pull, but don't fetch, and you let them get away with it, then they're going to learn that by doing that turns off the pressure. If you work the dog through your challenges and get them to be successful, if you teach them how to be successful and then the pressure's turned off and then you praise, you're going to have a dog that works hard for you. You're going to increase the unspoken bond. You're going to have a dog that will bust ice, that will dive off of boats and will swim through decoys further and harder. And you're going to have a dog that you can mold. Now, also, with this grain of salt, there's been a lot of phenomenal hunting dogs that have never been force-fetched. I know several of them. I'm just giving you an option, a tool in the tool belt to go and say, do I want to do this with my dog or don't I? I can promise you if you do it, you're going to have an easier time as you want to progress and and get you further possibly quicker than if you do it without it teaching a dog to run blinds that isn't force fetched is hard this force fetch is kind of hard but in eight to ten to twelve weeks you can be done and then you'll be able to move on and progress so i highly recommend it i had a guy comment before we wrap this up i had a guy comment he goes bob on instagram do you think teaching people average joes how to force fetch They'll ruin their dog. And what he means by that is someone who may lose patience and put unnecessary, unfair, ununderstood, misunderstood pressure on a dog. Could that ruin a dog? My answer to him. So this is this is like the question we get. Like, so I've, hold on, don't 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 interrupt real quick. Let me just roll with it. This is why people have misconceptions on force fetch. This is why people are like, I don't want to use an e-collar. I don't want to force fetch because I'm nervous of ruining my dog. My response to that is if people are patient and follow a program, you can't ruin a dog. If that person who this guy's speaking of, that average Joe who's going to ruin his dog doing this, my guess is that sucker's going to ruin the dog anyways because he's going to do something stupid anyways. He's already hot-headed. He's already n- missing steps in his training and pushing the dog too fast or doing something where that dog's going to just break down and not win. We want the dog to win. I want winners. 
I want to build winners and champions and freaking badass hunting dogs. I don't want to build a dog that's a robot and scared to do the work because it has to. No, no, no. I'm just teaching it. So that person who's going to ruin a dog because of force fetch was going to ruin that dog for any other reason because he's a jerk. Okay? Whether it's an e-collar or a choke chain or physical pressure whipping on a dog, that guy's going to screw the dog up whether I give him this information or not. My hope is I can educate people and teach people the way that I do it that hasn't ruined dogs, that has taught dogs thoroughly and carefully and with patience so that they have the tools and the education to tackle this themselves in a manner that helps the dog succeed and pushes the dog past their boundaries so that they can perform at a higher level than maybe they were ready to. So many misconceptions on force fetch, many misconceptions on e-collars and quote-unquote pressure training. I hope I explained it to where it's easy to understand it's not overwhelming. It's making you better. So if you have questions, this is what we do this for. Send us a direct message on Instagram at Lone Duck. Send us an email. I probably won't answer it. Maybe Kevin will. And he I'll answer it. Lone Duck Podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. But we're here to help you. And I believe in you. And I believe in your dog. And if you don't think I'm serious send me a message and I'll get back to you. I promise. So we're here to help keep tuning in. If you've loved this podcast, please subscribe, please hit five stars guys. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next week for another episode. Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.